Time now to uh, welcome back an old friend to the program, Shahan Jayaraja. He covers uh, college football for Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine. We've had Shahan on numerous times to talk uh, a little bit about uh, the minors and, and other things around the college world. But Shahan today is going to give us the lowdown on uh, who UTEP's going to get to see this Saturday night at the Sun Bowl. Stephen F. Austin, a Southland Conference team, but they're not playing in the spring. They're playing in the fall. Shahan, welcome back. How you been? Hey, I'm not, uh, not too bad. Not too bad. Just trying to survive like everybody else. But uh, always fun to jump back on with you guys. Yeah, we appreciate that. Look, we're all trying to survive. There's no doubt about it. But uh, there's a difference between surviving and getting ready for college football season, which is where we are right now. And, and really hard to believe that, you know, colleges will, will kick things off this weekend, including the minors at home against Stephen F. Austin, the Lumberjacks, one of two FCS games that, uh, you know, athletic director uh, Jim Center uh, booked in place of Texas Tech and Nevada, uh, along with New Mexico State. There were three games that were on the schedule, and now you've got uh, Abilene Christian, the Lumberjacks, and then also uh, Louisiana Monroe. But you know, I want to talk about Stephen F. Austin, especially since they made the bold move to decide we're not going to play in the spring. We want to play in the fall, even if our conference uh, you know, won't be playing. Yeah, it was a little bit of a surprise that they came out so quick and decided that. But I, I think that the thought process for them is very much, you know, look, uh, Stephen F. Austin, because of NCAA restrictions, will not be eligible for the postseason this year. So what do they care if the FBS playoffs move to the spring? What do they care if they're competing for a shortened conference championship? So they kind of decided, look, we're already here. We're already practicing. We're already ready. We'd rather use this time to kind of develop players and, and get used each other in Colby Carthel's second season and and why bother trying to play in the spring and have guys hurt when you go into the fall so there's been a real focus for them on trying to develop the program right now instead of trying to maybe go out and win right now and so I think that for them uh, that made playing in the fall only and, and skipping out on the spring an attractive option. And they get a five-game schedule. After the minors, they'll play UTSA, they'll play SMU, they'll play West Texas A&M, and they'll play Eastern Kentucky. So they're able to salvage it, and it's almost like a, a mini-season for them as far as development goes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And one thing, you know, when I talked to Athletic Director Ryan Ivey, well, they had that SMU game on the schedule. That SMU game is going to be very difficult for them, obviously, but... You know, with some of those other games that they scheduled, they did want to look at different levels. They did want to look at FBS and even Division Two if they needed to, and to try to find some games where, you know, look, uh, Utah's going to be favored most likely to beat SFA, but this is a game where SFA is not going to get blown out 60 to zero, right? And same with UTSA. It's a game where maybe they can get some real quality experience instead of maybe getting beat up. And so, you know, for them, I think that it made a lot of sense to to have a lot of these young players get in and play. Uh, and, and, I mean, SMB is recruited at a very high level uh, for the FCS level over the last two years. They actually had the number one recruiting class in the country uh, in Colby Carthel's first season in SDS. So this is a team that's young, that's still coming together, that's still on the come up. And I think that for them, they really like the schedule that they put together because they basically just get to come in and try right from the get-go to develop players. I've heard really good things about Carthel, and a lot of people consider him one of the rising young uh, head coaches in college football. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what. If you don't know Colby Carthel, uh, in 2017, he put his name on the map by going and winning the Division II National Championship. And, 
you know, at Texas A&M Commerce, this is a place that hadn't been nationally competitive for a number of years. But even now, in the years after his success, they've remained a top-level program just because of his investment, his ability to really rally that community, and, and just the improvements that he made while he was there. And for that reason, it was very attractive for Stephen F. Austin to go out and get him. Uh, look, he's not one of those coaches who, you know, you say, okay, this is like an air raid coach, this is like a hard-nosed defensive coach. He doesn't really have a style, per se. Uh, what Colby Carthel does is he he looks at his roster and he finds a way to try and win. And uh, look, <laughs> the thing that people really need to know about the Texas A&M Commerce team is that when uh, the kid who won the title for them, that quarterback, he, he was a former guy who had uh, who had been like an eight-string quarterback in JUCO, came and basically took a chance at Texas A&M Commerce and ended up winning the Harlan Hill as best Division II player in college football. So. This is a guy who finds a way to develop players, he recruits at an insanely high level, and he finds ways to win, even if they're unorthodox. So I think that the future is really bright for Stephen F. Austin. But again, this is just year two. This is just game one of year two. So there's still a lot of work left to go. Shahan Jayaraja joins us from Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine. And Shahan, uh, it was not the kind of season that I know Colby wanted last year, especially when uh, he lost uh, all of his seniors um, due to academic violations. Now, I'm confused because if you read the preview in the magazine, Dave Campbell's Texas Football for 2020, it claims that the violations were of no fault to the players or the current coaching staff. So if that's the case, how did you know all these seniors end up with academic violations last year? Sure, and I'll, I'll let you in on a little uh, a little insight into our magazine process. So you know this news came out like days before we went out to press, so we were still in the middle of of kind of processing it all, and we kind of just uh, you know had to add a couple lines to clarify what was going to go on with us. But basically, the situation is. Uh, there were people in the uh, academic office, you know, the people who sort of deal with grades and eligibility in the compliance office, rather, um, and they basically calculated GPAs wrong. They kind of thought, okay, based off of the grades that we're getting in, we think that a lot of these kids are eligible, and a lot of them actually weren't. They were calculating it incorrectly, which is, you know, a, kind of a, a crazy way for this sort of thing to happen, but uh, basically whoever, you know, the people were inside that office that were making mistakes they found the issue. They had to correct the issue. They realized that a bunch of players who were ineligible uh, actually went out and played. And then that basically went in and ruined their APR score. So, oh. you know, look, when we say that, that it's not the fault of the players, I mean, it is to some extent the fault of the players for, for not being eligible correctly. But, um, but you know, it was a mistake. It was something that was out of their control. It's something that they didn't notice, that they didn't realize. And these, uh, these issues came before Colby Carthel as well. So, this isn't that coaching staff's fault, but they're going to have to deal with the consequences. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I guess the benefit is they played a bunch of young guys, all these freshmen and players that otherwise would not have been given that kind of experience had a chance to get their feet wet last year for them. Yeah, and that's the plan, right? They're, they're coming in right from the get-go, and, and Colby Carthel saying, I need time, I need uh, you know the ability to gain some experience. Uh, I need the ability to come in and bring in my guys, basically. And that's what he did right from the get-go. Again, that 2019 class was the number one class in the SCS per Hero Sports. Uh, the 2020 class was another top five class, I believe. So, like, he's recruiting at a really high level. He's making a good pitch to players that, look, I mean, yeah, maybe you can come play at uh, – maybe you could go play at sort of a low-level FBS school, or you could come here, play right away, 
and uh, and get developed, still have a chance at the NFL and, and become an all-conference type player. So he's making that pitch very effectively. And the real benefit of not just not just his strategy, but also this whole situation is, look, those, those kids who came in last year as freshmen, if any of them redshirted, they'll get this year back too. So some of them could yep. come into 2021 as third-year freshmen and, and obviously sophomores and juniors. And a lot of these guys are going to get a whole bunch more years able to develop before they uh, leave SFA. More with Shahan as we continue here on Sports Talk from Dave Campbell's Texas Football. But first, let's go to Adrian and get this bottom of the hour Sports Center update. All right, as always, Adrian, appreciate uh, the update as we keep things moving with uh, Shahan Jayaraja here on Sports Talk, talking about the Stephen F. Austin Lumberjacks. That'll be the opponents coming into the Sun Bowl uh, coming up Saturday night. I've heard so many good things about uh, Xavier Gibson and that the wide receiver is clearly one of the great talents uh, in this conference and somebody that the Miners uh, will have their hands full as far as uh, a guy that was an all-Southland second-teamer last year. Yeah, and he's a very young guy. He's still coming into his own. He's one of those great recruits that I was talking about that Colby Carthel has been able to bring in. And look, there are a lot of those types of talents. There's guys at receiver. Uh, there was another receiver, I, I think his name's Jay Edwards, who was out for the 2019 season, but who was a guy who, who we thought could potentially be an all-Southland Conference pick, too. So having him back in the mix, uh, you know, they're going to have a very formidable receiving core. And again, there, there are a bunch of standouts on that defense as well. They've got two defensive linemen who were top-end recruits at the FCS level, a top-end defensive back. Like, this is a team for an FCS team that has FBS-level talent. So it's definitely one that, you know, you could see some of these players start to break out, start to come into their own as the 2020 season gets off. What can you tell us about senior quarterback Trey Self, who threw for over 2,500 yards and 12 touchdowns last season? Yeah, he's, he's a good player. And again, he's going to have a lot of help from that receiving core. That offensive line is starting to find their footing. And we really saw late in the year that that offense and that quarterback position really started to take off. Uh, as the team started to get more comfortable with itself. And again, uh, Kobe Carthel is the type of coach who's going to find a way to get the most out of his team and get the most out of his quarterback. And we saw that uh, in a big way during his first season. It's so interesting because UTEP's defense is moving now to four down linemen. They want to be aggressive. They want to blitz, put pressure on the quarterback. And I think this would be a good test for them. An offensive line that's improving, a veteran quarterback, a dynamic receiver. And we'll see what the uh, the new-look UTEP offense can do uh, against, or new UTEP defense will do against this uh, Stephen F. Austin offense. On the flip side, um, I, I wonder defensively, since Gavin Hardison really lacks uh, playing time in college games, what uh, UTEP's offensive line and, and their offense will do against the Stephen F. Austin defense. Yeah, I think on uh, from the UTEP offense perspective, the biggest thing that they need to do is they need to play well up front. Uh, again, Stephen F. Austin is a team that has multiple FBS level and even, even Power 5 level uh, defensive linemen who are still young, you know, so they're not completed products as yet, but they are players who would be able to create some trouble, especially on that interior line. And, and look, UTEP does have some good guys, especially in that interior, so they should be able to match up all right, uh, you know, but, but I think that it's going to be a real test for them to see, can we, especially up the middle, protect Gavin Hardison? Can we give him enough time to throw the ball? And can we give him enough time uh, so that he can get the ball out to some of those talented playmakers? Hey, last season, Houston Baptist, we said it earlier before I brought you on, that was one of the most entertaining football games of the season, and that was the opener against an FCS team that nearly beat the Miners. 
Yeah, and that's one thing, right, is that, you know, the difference between an FBS player and an FCS player really isn't that big, especially in the state of Texas in the Southland Conference, which is one of the, you know, best conferences in the FCS. Uh, and look, again, Stephen F. Austin is a team that struggled at the beginning of the year last year, but by the end of the year, they were playing at a very high level. So, so look, I think that if you're UTEP, I, and even even the next week when you're UTSA, you can't take a team like this for granted. You have to be able to go out there. You have to be able to execute. You have to be able to run and do what you do. Um, and again, UTEP has uh, every ability to go out and have a good performance against this team, but uh, but they're going to be just as ready. I mean, these FBS teams love their opportunities to play against FBS teams. Uh, I know that we saw that last year with Houston Baptist, and that's going to be just as true with Stephen F. Austin coming to town. Yeah, absolutely right. Now, I also wonder what the run defense will be like for Stephen F. Austin, because if there's a strength that the Miners have, it's they've got a very experienced and dynamic running game. Yeah, and that's one of those things where, you know, you really see experience, I think, pay off and, and where experience could be an inhibitor for Stephen F. Austin because their front seven still is very young. You know, if, if UTEP's able to run some of their complicated running schemes, are able to get guys in space, are able to, ha- to block at a high level, like you mentioned, I mean, Q Wadley, Deion Hankins, there's a lot of guys there that are going to be able to cause some trouble for that defense. Um, and again, I think that it's going to come down to execution. And look, this is where you really need to start seeing improvement is, you know, we have multiple years now of, of being able to implement offense. Is this going to be enough? Are guys going to be ready? Are guys going to execute at a high level? And if they do, uh, UTEP can absolutely run the ball on the scene. Well, and that's going to be a key uh, here in this one as well. Now, you look at the Miners. They've got Texas coming up a week from Saturday. So this is their tune-up game. And, you know, they could have gone in a lot of directions on how to replace the Tech game, the Nevada game, and the New Mexico State game. But ultimately, by putting this one in and Abilene Christian and kind of sandwiching them in between with Monroe and Texas, it's clear that if the Miners are able to develop starting Saturday and, and get a win and get a little confidence, they'll have a chance to have two or three wins by the time they start conference play. Yeah, and, and this is something that we talked about a lot while we were putting together the pre. You know, the, the schedule that UTEP had previously was so difficult, just just so ridiculously difficult. Definitely one of the toughest schedules that they've had, uh, or the, the toughest, at least in Santa Demo, has been there. And now, you know, you do get to balance it out a little bit. You do get to have some games where, you know, again, you are playing SFA and Abilene Christian, and, and you have to try hard and you have to play well to be able to beat those teams, but they are games that are winnable, that are competitive. And then you add a team in ULM that you know, has been a good team, but hasn't been a great team either. So, you know, we'll see whether, obviously, UTEP can beat them, but they can certainly be competitive in that game. So replacing a bunch of those games with, with those other non-conference games, I think is going to be a big help. But like you said, you know, playing Texas is always going to be uh, a chore at the absolute least. So um, I, I think that it's going to be a good opportunity for UTEP to see what a really high-level football team looks like and, and see at what level they need to execute and see uh, you know, what it takes to be a great team. But but like you said, I, I think that it's good that they kind of face those out with some winnable games along the way. So almost like when you're done with those four preseason games or non-conference games, I should say, you can almost take an average of what you've seen and kind of factor that into the equation and say, okay, this is what CUSA will be like. They've seen lesser teams. They've seen some of the best teams. Now you'll kind of get something sort of in the middle. Yeah, and I think that that is something that, uh, you know, I was really worried about heading into this season was that there wouldn't, even if UTEP was improved, for example, right, that we wouldn't get to see it, that 
uh, the non-conference slate was going to be too difficult, that we wouldn't get to understand necessarily what progress has happened. And, and look, heading into conference play, I do think we're going to know a little bit about uh, how much this team has improved because you do get those opportunities against the two FCS teams. You do get that opportunity against ULM, which is you know a decent uh, Sun Belt team. And, and Texas, I think that we can kind of throw that out the window. It's a tough matchup. But, but then, like you said, heading into conference play and, and having a couple opportunities to pick up wins in conference play, I think we're going to learn a lot about how much this team has improved. Do you see Kobe Carthel as an FBS head coach in the next three to five years? Yeah, I, I think that that's a good question. And I do think that uh, he is somebody that would make a lot of sense. And honestly, I mean, this is something that, that we were saying amongst ourselves even back uh, when Dana Dimmel was hired was that, you know, he was a Division two coach at the time, and the jump from Division two to FBS is, is huge, obviously. But, um, but you know, he was a guy who we felt like could have made a lot of sense at UTEP. And I do think that uh, that if an athletic director is smart and if they are unorthodox and if Carthel's able to have some success at Stephen F. Austin and prove that, you know, this wasn't a one-hit wonder at A&M Commerce, which I fully expect him to do, uh, yeah, I definitely think that he's the type of coach who could quickly uh, potentially become an FBS head coach. You get the magazine out right now, which if people haven't grabbed, they can still get it on the shelves and get all of your football fix for the season, and it's the Bible for Texas football. What about on the website? What do you have got uh, to profile up at uh, TexasFootball.com? Uh, yeah, we got a lot going on right now. So uh, the other day I put up uh, 10 sort of insane predictions, kind of wild picks that I make for the, for the 2020 season. We did it last year. Uh, I will say last year I, I said that UTEP could win up to four games, and uh, that was wrong. That was, that was not correct. So, you know, that's, that's what we like to do is, is try to make some insane predictions. i um, got a couple of features going up. Uh, I've got a story, actually, about uh, Houston Baptist, how they're kind of preparing from the protocol perspective to play against North Texas, having to go from Southland protocols and practice protocols to all of a sudden going to conference USA protocols. So uh, we got a lot coming up in the next couple of days, so we're really excited and, uh, and hope you'll check it out at TexasFootball.com. Love it. You can follow Shahan on Twitter at Shahan Jayaraja on Twitter. Check out his work at DexasFootball.com with Dave Campbells. Always great having you on the program, and thanks for giving us the lowdown on the Lumberjacks. Hey, I'm just looking for a good excuse to come out to El Paso this year since I didn't get to come in the spring. So I'd love to see uh, you said go out and win some games. When are you coming? <laughs> Got to figure that out. Got to figure that out, right? So uh, like I said, if, if they go and win some games, I have a better excuse. Look forward to it. All right, Sean, take care of yourself, and thanks for the time. Yeah, thanks for having me. We'll come back with a whole lot more. Stay with us. Sports Talk continues, 600 ESPN El Paso. Start of hour number two here on Sports Talk as we get you ready for that NBA playoff game that's coming up an hour from now with the pregame show, and then 6.30, they'll be tipping it off. Jazz Nuggets, winner take all. It's a biggie, folks, and uh, we'll see. What a series it's been uh, watching Murray and Mitchell battle it out, and we get to have one more opportunity to see it. Quick prediction, Adrian. Do you think they're both going to go for 50 each or more tonight? No, I think you know Jamal Murray kind of cools off at times, so I'm going to say maybe Mitchell goes 50-plus, but I'll say Murray stays under 40. All right. It's a good prediction as uh, a 
Martin. That'll be coming up here, 600 ESPN El Paso. And then tomorrow night, UTEP football with Dana Dimmel. It's game week, folks, and you'll hear from the voice of the Miners, John Teicher, and UTEP head football coach Dana Dimmel, 6 o'clock as they get you ready for UTEP and Stephen F. Austin. We're going to do the same since uh, it's minor game week. As uh, Joining us right now is Director of Athletics Jim Center uh, for another conversation as now we are closer and closer to kickoff on Saturday. Jim, welcome back. Good to have you. And uh, I'll just uh, start it off by asking, how are things going at the university as you prepare for uh, the first football game of the season? Yeah, gosh, Steve, they're, they're going great. And uh, thank you for asking. I, I appreciate it. Uh, delighted to be on as always. And, uh, you know, we're, we're working uh, feverishly in just about every single front. We got the entire stadium reseated last week by our minor athletic club staff. And uh, now, you know, so we've, we've done that, and uh, which was great. We've moved everything to a mobile ticketing platform, which is great and convenient. That, that's going to help us a lot. And then, uh, you know, right now we're trying to put the finishing touches on everything, like selling individual game tickets, uh, getting credentials out to media partners and, and folks like that. Jeff Darby's been working hard on that. Gosh, we've got uh, the construction crews are still madly at work over at the Sun Bowl, finishing up the renovations and, and doing some things there. Uh, gosh, I, all in all, the football team, I watched practice this morning and was excited to see them. They're looking crisp and sharp and fresh legs. So all in all, I tell you, I am really excited for Saturday to get here. What's left as far as the, the renovations are concerned? You know what? I'm, I'm going to be going over there on Friday for a uh, walkthrough. I can't tell you all the different things. Uh, I think we have a few things that we still have that probably won't get finished for the game. Maybe some like some TVs that are on back order because of the pandemic and maybe a few chairs and some things like that. But, you know, we're, we're, go- we're, we're pretty much there. Uh, but there might be a few cosmetic things, uh, maybe some lighting uh, issues because they're on back order because of the pandemic. But all in all, uh, people, when they come up there and, and look at it and see it and experience it, are going to go, wow, this is really cool. Because the uh, premium seating items are spread out um, a lot more than uh, the regular seating because of, you know, the seats are wider and usually you have a little more to play with. Were you able to capitalize on, on really selling more of the premium seating despite having to reduce the capacity of the Sun Bowl Stadium due to the pandemic? No, not, not really. We, we, we've been very, very cautious about the spaces that we have in the, the limitations as it relates to social distancing. So we have not even come close to being uh, maxing that area out or even being at 50%. Uh, and we've done that intentionally to make sure that we've, we, uh, we were able to hit the mandates that we have to hit for social distancing. As far as the tickets go, I know uh, just shy of 8,600 is what we're looking at uh, for Saturday's game. How are we pacing with tickets after the reassignment and yesterday uh, going on sale for the first time, Jim? Yeah, we're, I, we're over 50% capacity right now, so we still have quite a few individual game tickets to sell, uh, which is why we need all minors to come out. You want to come watch college football and watch the minors for 2020? Come on out. Buy an individual game ticket. Uh, they're all reserved seats. There are no general admission seats. And, uh, and you can go online to, uh, to uh, you know, utepminers.com and get on the t- click on the ticket portion of the website and buy yourself your seats. Would rather people do that uh, than, than wait till game, game day because we are trying to minimize the number of folks that we have to have contact with, uh, you know, the, uh, the queuing lines and all those kinds of things. Did most of your season ticket holders uh, opt to go and, and still uh, keep their uh, their tickets for this season, even if they're in uh, different uh, different areas? 
You, you know what, uh, Steve? I haven't gotten a report on how many people, like, maybe said, hey, if I can't get my original seats, I don't want them. I, I honestly don't know uh, what that number is. Uh, I'm sure we've had some. It would be inevitable that, that we have some folks that uh, feel that way. But uh, obviously, once again, this is just temporary. Last year's reseating was temporary because of the construction, and uh, now this year because of the pandemic. But eventually we're going to get back to the point where people are going to be able to set, for the most part, in the seats that they want uh, when we do the reseating uh, coming up a year from now. Director of Athletics, Jim Center, uh, back with us on Sports Talk as we continue. A question on Twitter. This is from uh, Poncho at Poncho uh, RDH. Please ask Jim, how many wins by UTEP football would make this season a success? Well, you, you know what? That's a really good question. And uh, first of all, we all know that we only won one game last year. And the year before that, we didn't win any. And so I, I know this. Uh, we want to continue to improve. We want our team to improve week over week. Uh, but I would like to see us get three, four, five, six wins and I think that's possible with our schedule. I'm not saying anything's easy. I'm not guaranteeing that. Uh, but certainly, I would like to see us get somewhere close to the 500 mark. Uh, I think would be quite an improvement. You have built a new schedule, which now has two FCS games and a road game against Louisiana Monroe. You've done what you can to try to give your football team uh, every opportunity to win three of those first four football games, the fourth being Texas before we get into conference play, you had other options available. You could have chosen power fives, even though it would have been less money, but instead you took a schedule that was designed to give your football team a chance to win, which ultimately could improve their confidence, win more games, and thus put more butts in the seats. No, that, that's exactly right, Steve. And, uh, you know, that, that's the challenge when you're crafting a schedule is finding the right blend of, of games that you believe you can win, games that maybe it's a 50-50 you know, coin toss if you're home or on the road, and then the games that you know, boy, that's probably a stretch for us to, for us to beat those folks. But if you're going to go play a game like that, you know, it ought to be strategic. Like when I think of the Texas game, while it's a great payday for us, what I really think about is the recruiting. Uh, you know, when I go into a home or when Coach Dimble goes into a home and we talk about your son, is going to be able to line up against the Texas Longhorns, uh, you know, in Austin, their eyes light up. And that's exciting to them uh, because they've all dreamed about being a Longhorn or being an Aggie at some of these big-time programs that are in our state. And uh, when you play them on their home field, uh, that's, that's an attraction for young people. And so I, that, that's an example about the strategicness of the scheduling piece. Uh, and, and I tell you, I've told this many times, I'm very, very grateful that, Chris Del Conny and the University of Texas at Austin uh, decided to continue to play us uh, as opposed to somebody else on their schedule, and we're really grateful for that. And we, we intend to go over there and give them the very, very best game that they'll have all year long. And the chips well, will fall where they may. I'll say this, 6 o'clock will be the starting time a week from Saturday. That was announced earlier today, so that time is now in the books. Um, and, and meanwhile, Jim, uh, Conference USA announced, they made it official, that they're going to be testing athletes Three times each week. That is, without a doubt, the strictest uh, policy uh, in in college football. There's some Power Fives that are looking to do it three times a week, but um, you know, yeah, that was a that's a big, big change to what a lot of other schools around the country are doing uh, on a weekly basis. Well, Steve, I, I tell you, I was very, very proud of our leadership with Conference USA, Judy McLeod, and 
and uh, the folks that, that help uh, lead our conference, our CEOs, all felt like it was imperative for us to have a really, really high standard of testing. And uh, in all honesty, the, the Big 12 and the SEC are, are testing at that same rate and level. And I don't know about the ACC myself, but uh, we decided that if they're going to do that, we're going to do that as well. And uh, it's, kind of the, it's kind of the gold ribbon standard, if you will. So, uh, you know, our, our student-athletes will be doing another test in the morning and then another one 24 hours before the game. So it's rigorous. And, uh, and, and we're excited and believe that with that level of testing, uh, we should be able to get 99.9% of all of our players and coaches and, and support staff to the games uh, because we can find anybody uh, and eliminate them from, from being around our team very, very quickly and, uh, and suppress the virus, uh, obviously, in the, in the spread of the virus by testing at that frequency level. Absolutely right. So uh, three times a week, and that uh, you mentioned it, not just players and coaches, but staff and supporting members. And, you know, that, that includes John Teicher, probably yourself, and anybody that's going to be around the football team uh, during the course of the season. That's exactly right, Steve. And actually, we'll take it week by week. It depends on, on, on who's traveling, as an example. You know, next week when we go to the Texas game, uh, who's on the team playing and who's not. There's a, there's a complexity of, uh, of who's doing what and when and why they're doing it and the level of testing that they would have to reach uh, to, to enable access, like access to the field or access to our building and locker room or access to the, the press box and different things like that. So uh, I, I know you guys in the media are aware of this because there have been significant changes there. Uh, about how that all works, but I can tell you this: we are minimizing anybody's access to the field because the bottom line is, unless you're getting tested at the same rate of the players, we don't want to bring anybody down to the field where they're at if they don't have the same kind of scrutiny and screening that the players have. How will you be handling the band, the cheerleaders, the gold diggers, all of the usual uh, football entertainment uh, that fans see on the field? Yeah, boy, that's a, that's a really good question. And, you know, our, our, our team of folks uh, with, with band and cheer and dance uh, have been working right alongside of us in following Conference USA protocols. And basically the conference uh, game management protocols have kind of laid all that out. So our band will not be on the field. There will be no uh, performances on the, on the field at any time. And part of that reason is because, uh, obviously, you have, you know, 300 young people who are blowing instruments. And if they're not tested at the same rate as the players on the field at three times, then any one of them could be asymptomatic at any one point in time and could be blowing a horn uh, and, and basically blowing that, and that, that uh, exhalation out. If they were asymptomatic but positive, they could be spreading the virus and putting it on the playing surface. So all the band will be up in the stands. Uh, our band director will be on the field directing the band from the stands. But, so they'll be loud and, and, and uh, add spirit the arena as always but they just won't be on the field uh will they is play being tested. yep will they play a halftime show from the stands you, you know i don't know that i'm assuming that they will but i i have not verified that great question um okay. and, you know yep. and cheerleading is being tested on a regular basis and th- their numbers are limited down on the field to a very very small constricted area uh but but uh there's a maximum i think of 17 but we won't even be close to that for this first game Will we see cheerleaders and, uh, and, and, and spirit and dance wearing masks uh, at the game, or will they be able to, to do it uh, without the masks? I believe that they will have masks on. 
Everybody in the okay. stadium should be wearing a mask, right. with the exception of That's players it. that are in, that are in the game. Yeah, so so coaches too will have a chance to see that as well. That's correct. Wow. Okay, so that's. I think that's going to be something also, Jim, that's going to be uh, surreal for people to see, and that is all the players that are not on the that are not like in the game, essentially having masks um, and communicating with each other while the game is going on. Yeah, you know, we'll look back on this, Steve. You know, twenty, thirty, fifty years, and somebody will show somebody a picture and go. Why are all those guys wearing that stuff on their face? <laughs> you know, uh, it, it, it's just it is what it is. And I think everybody expects it now. And uh, if you see somebody who's not doing it, it's probably like, oh, that's weird. They're not wearing a mask, you know, uh, particularly when it's uh, part of our ordinances within our city. And uh, it's mandated, you know, to be able to come to the Sun Bowl Stadium. You need to wear a mask. It's a public place and a public gathering. I want to get back for a second to what you said about the tickets because you're still selling season tickets. When I looked at the price of the individual game tickets, I noticed that if you want to sit on the 50, the best seats in the house, $30 per ticket, which seems extremely reasonable given the circumstances that you're still watching a Division One college football team play a game for 30 bucks a pop, which I think is, is a great price. And if you buy the season ticket, it does come with the donation as part of it. But, um, you know, you look at it, I, I, you've, you've priced all the seats from the lowest uh, price seat all the way to the highest end uh, that you, you're, you've priced them affordable and you, you obviously priced them to sell. You don't have a lot of them and you could have done different strategies with the pricing structure but to me $30 which is the, the top of the level price for an individual game ticket is uh, is a terrific deal. It really is Steve and you know, we, we've continued to look at that I, I know our, our community is very very price uh, conscious and sensitive uh, in particularly, given the environment and the economy and everything right now, I mean, we, we did everything we possibly could. Uh, now, everybody's got to realize at the end of the day, you know, selling tickets generates revenue that the program needs to pay the bills. And we obviously, there's some people who'd like us to go even cheaper, but we can't because uh, we still have to we still have to pay the bills. But, you know, you can buy, a, I think our lowest price season ticket is $65. Uh, which is just incredible when you think about that uh, at, at a price point. That's, that's I think, $11.25 per ticket uh, if you buy one of those cheapest ones, right? So, anyway, they're very, very affordable, very reasonable, and I hope folks will come out and just cheer on the miners and, and make a small investment that's less than the cost of going to a movie uh, to, to see this year's team. I believe we're going to be much improved. Uh, I think our athleticism is better, and I'm really excited about the future of our program. I really am. We saw also the safety measures that will be taking place at the Sun Bowl on Saturday. A lot of sanitation stations. You're going to be monitoring the restroom. Concessions are going to be more limited with grab-and-go items. And the object is to not have people build up in any area during the game. That, that's correct. And, you know, some, some additional things, Steve. Obviously, we're opening up uh, the, the parking lots three hours before the game. And the, the entrance to the stadium will be open sooner uh, a half hour sooner than normal. And because what we're asking people is, you know, come into the stadium. Don't wait till the last minute to come into the stadium. As you know, there's no tailgating uh, this year. But come into, the, come into the, 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 the Sun Bowl earlier so you don't stand in lines. We don't congregate. And those, everything we're doing is trying to minimize crowds uh, because, because that's one of the biggest issues is when you have people that aren't socially distanced or don't wear their masks, 
they, you run the risk of the disease being spread if somebody is, uh, is positive in that group of people. So it's all about mis- uh, risk mitigation and, uh, and trying to help people understand those concepts. I know masks are required in the stadium. Will the university be selling at the game any UTEP-themed masks, the orange and blue, if fans want to get into the spirit and have a UTEP mask? You know, great question. I believe that the, uh, that the bookstore is going to be there and they'll be selling masks, but that's something I need to confirm. And maybe when you talk, I think you're going to have Nick Popwell on later this week. Uh, he yep. can have the answer for you uh, along with uh, the, other, the other thing that I believe the bookstore will be selling will be clear bags uh, because we have a clear bag policy now. Due to uh, the pandemic, would you say it's easiest to buy your tickets for the game online, go to the ticket office? Uh, what's the What strategy do you recommend the most right now to people that are looking to go? Yeah, 100%. Go to utepminers.com, click on the top tab up there that says tickets. You can pick the seats that you want and execute it. Those tickets will come to your, to your email inbox, and then you'll have your digital ticket loaded right there. So that's the way to do it. We're not actively taking people coming to Brumbelow to buy your tickets. If somebody does have a ticket problem or, or doesn't have a smartphone, then they can call the athletic ticket office and, and work with somebody there to help them. But really, everything is digital, and everything should be purchased online. Uh, and we'd prefer that to any other method because it minimizes the human interaction and contact that we would have with folks. Is there an app you download? Is it the Ticketmaster app or another app that you'll download to uh, to have that uh, barcode ready for the ticket? I believe, you know what, Steve, I believe when you just open up your email, it populates it right there. So that, oh, that's nice. where it would be. And so it just you just scan the barcode that's on the uh, email. Well, that's as simple as it gets. So Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty simple, I believe. All right. Listen, you've answered a ton of questions, as you always do. Appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us. And, uh, again, looking forward to Saturday night and the start of the 2020 UTEP season. Without a doubt, the most unique football season we will ever see in our lifetime. That's for sure, Steve. Well, we appreciate you guys, and we look forward to, uh, look forward to seeing you as well and, and carrying the game and the broadcast. Jim, take care. Thanks again. You bet. Bye-bye. Jim Center joining us here. 22 now past the hour on Sports Talk. Your phone calls, your comments for the remaining 38 minutes of the show as we get you over to Charlie One for this traffic update.
27 pass sports talk continues eight eight zero five seven six three. We're going to recap that conversation with uh, Jim Center in just a moment. But first, 